0: The Linux Reality Podcast is sponsored by O'Reilly Media, spreading the knowledge of innovators through its books, online services, magazines, and conferences. Visit them today at O'Reilly.com. Welcome back to Linux Reality. This is episode number 81. My name is Chess Griffin. And uh, in this episode, we've got another guest spot. This one is from a listener named Duncan, and it's on audio in Linux, which I think is very appropriate, seeing as how this is an audio podcast. Uh, But it's obviously a question that comes up quite a bit, how to get audio working and how to do different things with audio applications and things like that. So that's what we'll be listening to. It's about 25, 30 minutes or so. Um, Something I've been meaning to mention up here at the very front, and I keep forgetting, and this is for all the new listeners. I recommend that people start at the beginning. Um, I've had a couple of people ask me this, uh, send me some emails recently, and uh, I definitely recommend, I've said this before, that this this podcast is generally intended for the new Linux user, and the idea has been that we kind of start at the beginning and kind of proceed in a logical fashion. Obviously, not every single episode literally follows on the previous episode. There's We take tangents here and there, and I cover special things from time to time, but in a general sense, that's the idea is that uh, we're trying to build on things that we've talked about before. So if you are listening for the first time or if you just started listening, really go back and listen. It talks a lot about the very basics, even, um, you know, I mean, really from scratch. And uh, I have, I've actually heard from a lot of uh, very veteran users. In fact, I, I got an email uh, from somebody, uh, and I kind of I know him through another project, but he 's been using Linux for over ten years, and he said he listens and he even he finds things helpful and that he learns things from the podcast, which is fantastic but uh, so anyway, I just want to mention that up front if you 're just starting out uh, listening to this podcast, definitely check out the archives there 's a lot of great stuff there. Uh, In this episode, as I said, we're going to talk about audio and Linux. I've also got uh, a listener tip, an audio listener tip. So that's cool. That's going to be entered into this contest to win that LPI Linux certification in a nutshell book. I'll talk about that at the end again. And I've also got tons and tons of email. I'm, I'm I'm not going to get to all of them. I'm going to get to some of them this week, and I'll... I mean, I can't get to all of them, so I'm going to you know, save some for next week and the week thereafter. So, And the last thing is I want to say uh, thanks, everybody, for the great feedback on the episode that Klaatu did last week. Actually, I shouldn't say thanks, because the thing is how I didn't do anything <laughs> other than just provide you the content. Uh, it's all his. Uh, credit goes to him entirely. Uh, he did a great job, and there's a lot of great comments in the forum about that episode on the GIMP. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe he'll follow it up with some more. So, uh, and do check out his podcast. Really? His podcast is top notch. I, I highly recommend it. It's the, it's the bad apples and you can check the show notes for episode 80 for a link to that. All right. Uh, let's see. I think let's get right to it. Audio in Linux.
1: Hi, this is Duncan McNeil. I'm very pleased to be bringing you this uh, guest podcast on Audio for Linux. Um, I was particularly pleased when Chess allowed me to record this guest episode uh, because I was helped out very much by uh, the episode on Video for Linux. Um, I had a few problems with getting Kino um, to work and some of the tips in that show really got me underway. I'm going to build up this episode in uh, three defined parts. The first is uh, going to be talking about your basic setup. How do you actually get started, get your audio drivers working, common problems with setup. Then we'll move on to uh, some applications that you can use um, with a particular focus on uh, music applications and uh, recording. Um, And finally, we'll finish up with uh, looking at cleaning up an audio comment I'm not sure whether this, when this episode airs you'll uh, still be in the running uh, for that uh, prize for best audio comment, but uh, it can't hurt to um, find out about how to actually clean up an audio comment and make it sound as best as you possibly can. So one of the most uh, common problems with audio under Linux is unfortunately also one of the most fundamental, and that is you try to play a sound and you get nothing, you get nothing out of your speakers and nothing's happening. Uh, probably the first port of call um, for that is to look at the drivers that you have for your um, for your hardware. You can do this um, in a number of ways. It might be worth trying a live CD. I particularly recommend Dynabolic, D Y N E B O L I C. Um, dynabolic um, is triggered is or oriented towards sound it has good support for a lot of cards and it plays significantly it plays a sound when you start up um, and tries attempts to settle your your um, your audio on um, but uh, failing that you might want to try and we might be delving into another uh, episodes domain here but essentially you'll be wanting to uh, type lspci at the command line to uh, have a look for what sort of sound card you're running and pipe the output of that lspci pipe into grep um, and you'll be grepping looking for um, audio so I think the, the flag is minus i audio and that will tell you what type of drivers uh, you'll need because you'll know uh, the hardware that you're running Another problem that can happen with uh, the drivers uh, for your sound card is that you might have an onboard um, sound card on your motherboard and you'll buy yourself a nice uh, uh, recording uh, sound card with, with good support um, and install it in your hardware and then when you upgrade your distribution, you go from counterintuitively from having all of your audio working to have it not working. Um, and as far as I've discovered, um, what can be happening is um, as the distribution gets upgraded you get more and more drivers and suddenly you have support for the onboard sound on your motherboard um, which then conflicts with the, with the sound card you've got in your machine. So it's worth, uh, you could probably go into the BIOS and try and turn off the, uh, the onboard sound um, or go into um, your settings and see exactly which sound card you're using and try to switch off the one that you don't want. Now once you get your drivers working the next layer in the cake if you like above your drivers is the sound server that you'll be using. Two of the most common sound servers are OSS, that's Open Sound System, and also Advanced Linux Sound Architecture. It doesn't really matter which one you use in my experience and I use both interchangeably depending on the application that I'm using at the time. But one of the most common problems uh, and probably the second most common problem um, with audio on Linux is a conflict between um, either these dri- these drivers or these sorry these sound servers um, with each other or between two applications using the same server and the solution uh, which falls almost into the i can 't believe it works category um, is you can make a link from if you see an error message from an application that says it 's looking in a particular place um, that 's incorrect or a, seems to be a duplicate. Um, so it might be looking at DSP2 uh, when it wants to actually go to DSP, is to actually just make a link, go into your, the uh, the command line and type ln uh, to link between uh, slash uh, dev slash DSP to, or DSP2 to slash dev slash DSP, whichever way it might be. Uh, another problem that can um, occur from time to time, this is getting less common now, but it might actually be looking in entirely the wrong place, so it might be looking in slash dev slash sound slash DSP when it should be looking just in slash dev slash DSP. I was quite surprised when actually just making the link worked for me, um, and it's a trick that I sometimes rely on. Um, one of the problems um, with conflicting um, Sound servers, So a second version of also being started up or uh, an application trying to access but not having the privileges for the first sound server um, can be fixed. I've heard some great things about uh, Pulse Audio, uh, which can be installed on most distributions. Um, I've heard great things about the Ubuntu version of Pulse Audio. Basically fixes all these problems because it, it takes hold of one of your sound servers and then sits on top of the sound server and actually acts as the point of connection. Now I don't use Pulse Audio because I use another uh, connection um, uh, application called Jack. And Jack is one of those fabulous recursive names that stands for Jack uh, Audio Connection Kit. And Jack sits on top of either ULSA or OSS, I tend to use it um, sitting on top of uh, ULSA, and it allows me to connect all of the different applications together. Um, but before we move on to the applications there's one more common problem which I wanted to deal with um, and that is um, uh, one that may leave you feeling a little bit silly if you've come across it I know I have um, and that is do you have your sound turned up It sounds obvious but it's one of the things that catches a lot of people out. You need to go into um, for instance also mixer um, or right click on the um in ubuntu right click on the um the volume control and go into the mixer settings and make sure that all your levels are turned up. Um, And have a go at a few combinations of turning various inputs on and off and get a good feeling for what exactly is going on uh, with your mixer. Uh, There's also a command line mixer, uh, which is available. I can't remember what it's called, but it's very, very handy. You can actually see in sort of an ASCII art representation what all your levels are. Uh, catches a lot of people out because a lot of distributions start with all of the controls, all of the volume settings for all of your mixer uh, settings turned right down. So something worth having a look at. So we've got our sound set up and we've got it working. Uh, now comes the fun bit to actually delve into some applications. Before I do that, though, I'd like to deal with a question that I often get uh, or hear around the place, and that is, why is it so hard to do audio on Linux? Why are they, do you have to configure this and set that up and 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 get everything working where, you know, in, say, OS 10 or XP, you simply switch the machine on and start? And while that might be true, there are so many different um, applications and so many different choices you have, um, even at the most basic level, um, of dealing with sound on Linux, that um, as you get more experienced with all of the options you've got available and all of the applications that you have, um, uh, just at your at your beck and call, you actually go from why is Linux audio so hard to almost the the opposite um, opinion, and that is why are the other operating systems so inflexible? Why do you have just um, you know? a few kind of meager ways and a few different sort of workflows uh, to record and do things with sound. Um, And you very quickly, particularly once you start using uh, different connections between applications um, and different ways of actually using and uh, encoding and, uh, and even generating sound, that you'll probably find that after a while, Um, you'll go back to um, other sort of operating systems and their application suite and feel a little bit constrained. So the first thing, and uh, I guess the simplest thing you'll want to do with uh, audio on Linux is to play a file, play a sound file. Um, I typically switch between three popular players for this sort of task. VLC player, uh, mplayer, and xmms. Um, I'm just going to mention the names of some of these um, applications so you can try them out yourself in your own time. Uh, There's too many features in a lot of these things to really go into a lot of detail in the amount of time I have. Um, But I do like, probably out of those three, VLC player I keep coming back to. um, I like the simple way I can just build up a a quick playlist by uh, queuing things up for VLC player when I'm playing a few uh, sound files together. The next thing um, in complexity after that is probably managing uh, libraries of music and uh, organising your sound files. Um, For that, um, you'll see applications like Banshee, uh, Songbird. Uh, I've heard good things about Songbird. Uh, Rhythmbox. Uh, There's a a project called Exale, E-X-A-I-L-E, which um, is apparently quite a good one. I haven't tried it myself. All of those are... Fairly um, similar in the features they share, but they will often have a strength in one particular area. Um, of those, I probably use Rhythmbox the most. If you'd like to try your hand at being a DJ, you might try a program called Mix M I double M I triple X. Actually, um, that. It has all the nice things for DJs, uh, mixing between tracks. It's got beat estimation. Uh, You can view the waveform of two sound files playing simultaneously and and match them up. Um, So if you're into that sort of thing, then Mix is definitely worth trying out. When it comes to generating sounds and music, um, I'm not going to mention all the applications that I use. There are just way too many for me to go through them. But I'll pick out some highlights Um, And the first sort of set is in uh, virtual synthesizers. Uh, I quite like AM synth. It gives you nice uh, sort of crunchy and gritty uh, analog, particularly good for basses. Um, The thing that I like about it is if you hit Control-R on your keyboard, it'll randomize all the settings, so you can um, hit a note on your uh, external uh, keyboard, MIDI keyboard, and then keep pressing Control-R to try out a whole... Um, basically different set of random sounds until you found, find one that you like. Um, just on that note, before I move on, you don't need to have um, a music keyboard, a MIDI keyboard, if you like, to plug into your computer. You can bring on an on-screen one that you, uh, called uh, Virtual Keyboard, I believe, or V-Keyboard or something like that. And you can play that using the keys on your regular text entry computer keyboard, I tend to prefer to be plugged in via an EDI ROL um, MIDI uh, interface. I I chose the EDI ROL one because I knew it had good Linux support uh, from the outset and I can recommend it if you're going to be using uh, MIDI on Linux. Uh, Moving along, QSynth is a synthesizer that I really like. It loads uh, sound fonts. You can pick up sound fonts from uh, websites such as Hammersound.net um, and I really like QSynth at all. QSynth I discovered recently will also play MIDI files so if you load up a general MIDI sound font and drag and drop a MIDI file onto it then you can play uh, MIDI files directly through it uh, Bristol is a keyboard emulator and it's got a lot of those old style uh, Rhodes and DX, um, Moog and other uh, great classic um, synthesizers, emulations built in with fantastic uh, interfaces to them, um, on-screen look, uh, made to be as realistic as possible. Moving on to sequences and drum machines, uh, probably the best drum machine I've found is Hydrogen. Um, It comes with a number of preset drum kits. You can download more. Um, But the thing that's really nice about it is that it has three controls on the right-hand side, for humanize, randomize, and swing, and using those controls, you can take a fairly regimented, boring, uh, straight-ahead drum sequence, and you can turn it into something a little bit more interesting by adding a bit of randomization on the timing, on the velocity, um, and on how much swing there is in the drum uh, part. Rose Garden is a recording uh, MIDI and scoring application, so if you need to display and print musical scores um, from performances you've done over MIDI, then Rose Garden is definitely worth checking out. So let's take a look at recording now. Uh, Probably the most popular Swiss Army knife, uh, all kinds of uses application that a lot of people will know about is Audacity. Um, a combination of recording and wave editing uh, application uh, quite simple to use um, available on a number of platforms including Linux Uh, it's used a lot by uh, podcasters um, and in any situation where you need a simple um, record and edit uh, functionality I'll come back to Audacity at the end when I talk about how you might actually clean up a sound file uh, ready to use in a podcast. Um, And I'll go on and just cover quickly two other recording applications that I use. The two other ones that I use are QA Record and Arda. Now, QA Record is a really nice little application which I'm not sure a lot of people know about. It essentially allows you to connect to a jack um, output and I use Jack to connect all of my different sound applications together and um, route through uh, different effects programs uh, so that at the, through after all of that connecting uh, various MIDI inputs and um, connecting all of the different sound architecture, I end up with one master output, and I usually just put that straight into QA record. It's a lovely little three-button 3, three button application with a really large VU meter on the front, which lets you know exactly what sort of level you're getting out. I'm not really sure how to tackle Arda other than to say it is a really big and complex digital audio workstation application. It has a lot of the sort of pro features that you'd expect of a complex digital audio workstation such as a fully featured uh, and powerful mixer with full automation um, the ability to record at an arbitrary uh, rate um, as uh, an arbitrary sample rate uh, the ability to um, adjust your crossfades live and hear the the effects um, directly uh, multiple playback um, rates with a sort of a scrub wheel kind of effect um, there's just so much in audacity uh, probably goes beyond my level of capacity um, it has been picked up uh, lately picked up a sponsor uh, SAE college which was one of the first uh, if not the first um, audio engineering colleges around um, in the UK Uh And it's just got a lot of features which, if you're interested in picking up more flexibility and power, particularly for music recording, uh, you'll be looking at uh, using Arda. I say particularly for music recording because I do know that it has some features to support uh, recording and uh, manipulating sound with video uh, files as well. I haven't played around with that very much, um, but I do know that it is available. Okay, that's enough looking at uh, the applications. There are so many more applications out there. I've really just touched the surface. Um, I'd recommend you go to the web page of the Jack Audio Connection Kit to see um, just a sample of the applications that are available that plugs into that particular architecture. Um, Uses for... Um, live theatre performance, experimental sound, programming, the list just goes on and on and on. But uh, I thought I'd just finish up quickly by looking at an example of how you would actually clean up a sound file using Audacity. So you may have recorded a comment, um, and regardless of your recording environment, you might uh, want to just tweak the, the, the sound file a little bit before you release it. And there are three basic things that you can do to improve pretty much any recorded sound. Um, The first is to remove any noise artifacts that you might have introduced either by having um, a noisy signal or a noisy recording environment. The second thing is to make sure that the volume levels across the entire recording are consistent. Um, And thirdly, you'll want to make sure that the overall volume of your uh, sound file is at a consistent level. So the three terms that go along with that is noise removal or gating and secondly where we're talking about bringing the sound level um, all together and consistent across a file is um, often achieved with compression and then finally uh, making sure that the overall sound volume um, of the file is at its um, optimum is often called normalisation So we'll start with uh, sound or noise removal. Um, Audacity has a nifty feature under the effect menu where you can select a little bit of of sound and get a noise profile. Uh, So you choose a bit of sound in between uh, spoken words or whatever it might be and then choose that as your noise profile and it will will actually then um, allow you to use that noise profile to remove noise. Another simple uh, thing which can get rid of noise, particularly if you've recorded in a noisy environment, is to go into uh, the effects and plugins, and you'll find a, an effect called gating. Now, what a gate does is essentially switches off the the uh, signal once it falls below a particular threshold, and that can be really handy so that the spaces in between each word or each spoken sentence is completely silent. Rather than just going down to a a low hiss or a low hum. Um, So that's a really handy tip if you need to get rid of a hiss, hum, or buzz in a recording. I'll move on now to getting the sound consistent across uh, the the volume levels consistent across a file, and that's using compression. And what compression does is basically to say um, take the softest um, bit of volume or sound from a file and amplify it a little bit, and take the loudest part and bring it down as well. It's a little bit more complex than that and uh, when you look at the under the effects menu in Audacity you'll see there's a few more options there. Um, Essentially the most common compression ratio you'll see there's a setting for ratio in there is the default um, compression ratio of 2 to 1. And applying that effectively will even out the volumes across your file. Finally um, you probably are aware that there are different um, volumes for for various uh, sound recordings that you've done, and the question that often comes up is, well, how loud is loud? How loud should I have the um, actual output? I can amplify in um, using some of the effects in Audacity. What volume output should I be looking for? Well, if effectively, Normalize will take... Um, take care of all of that for you and the default setting is to normalize at um, what's known as minus three decibels so it'll actually um, even out um, all of the recording you've done by compression and then you can bring it up to the volume the desired volume uh, for your maximum output by choosing normalize at minus three decibels so that's three quick things you can do Um, you should noticeably uh, see a better output uh, from your recordings if you Uh, use these approaches. There's a lot of things you can do also as well as tweaking um, the EQ, taking out uh, some hiss by taking out the high level or using a low pass uh, for a lot of sort of bassy, woofy types of audio. But effectively those three things will be great for uh, voice recordings that you submit. So thanks very much. It's been very great uh, spending this time with you. I hope you do go and have a look at some of these applications and find a lot more. Um I'm sure there'll be uh some opportunity for comments and feedback and uh probably a lot of corrections as well. Thanks very much.
2: Hi Chess, this is Sebastian from Germany. I've been listening to your podcast for about two months now and I really enjoy the topics of your show. And I was looking for that kind of a show, um pretty long, and I just stumbled upon it, and I really enjoyed it. So thank you very much for this. So here's my listener tip. If you've ever wanted to have a, a shell account on a server for free, here's what you need to do. Go to www.red-pill.eu forward slash freeunix.shtml and uh, choose a shell provider that fits your needs. That's www.redred-pill.eu forward slash freeunix.html. I use a shell account um, that allows Python so that I can use a program called Daily DailyPlucker, which is a tool which melts together RSS feeds and uh, the HTML files uh, that, that are linked to. Uh, to a nice uh, FB reader format, so that I can read uh, all these feeds and uh, all the news uh, on uh, offline on my Nokia 770. It downloads all your favorite shows, and you can even <coughs> use the. Uh, it can even use the HTML side, so it's that's pretty neat. So, um, thank you for your show, and uh, keep up with the good work. Bye.
0: Okay, let's see. I got some email here. Uh, First one is from Peter. Peter says, Hi, Chess. I heard this week's podcast and the question on dual monitors. I wrote up my own experience on my blog and found it to be pretty easy. Given what I've heard and my previous experience, I may have gotten lucky, and it did require a little reading. But what I did is logged here, and he gives me a link to his blog. Uh, I did a tiny URL for it. It's tinyurl.com slash 2632zz. That's two small z's at the end. And that's from Peter. Thank you very much, Peter. Here's an email from Kevin. Kevin says, Hello, Chess. I found your podcast when looking looking for ways to learn more Linux one day. And although I've used Linux some, I'm still learning from your show. I'd already taken a Linux server class in college, but still didn't understand the file system nor mounting. Thanks for making that clear. Although Orca from IBM is making uh, GNOME screens more usable, being a blind user, I still find the command line more efficient, even in Windows. So I'm not as GUI happy as you or other listeners might be, but I'm still learning from your podcast. One topic that might be interesting is the idea of running a PDA on Linux. There are some produced and sold with Linux installed, and some have taken the HP IPAC models and installed Linux on those. There's a new and cool PDA for the blind, which Keith from several shows back owns, called The Icon from LevelStar.com. It also has a cousin called The Braille Plus, but they are pretty much the same keep up the great work. I know graphics are convenient, but the Linux under all of that is still command line based. So referring to the CLI now and then would be nice. And eventually the power users will truly need to make friends with it. Kevin. Well, thanks, Kevin. That's a great email. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, We've actually done quite a number of shows covering uh, uh, command line utilities and tools and commands and things like that. In fact, I think I've mentioned I you know, I, I tend to prefer command line apps. I use uh, IRSSI for my IRC chat, uh, MUT for my email. Of course, I use Vim, uh, the text editor. So... Uh, I think, you know, command line apps are fantastic. And, uh, I, I mean, I live in the shell. I, I think I've, I've also told, told folks that, uh, screen and uh, SSH are <laughs> two of the commands or two of the programs I use literally every single day. So it's great stuff. Thanks for that, Kevin. Here's one from, uh, Michelle or Michael. Uh, he says, I've always wondered how you've managed to record your podcast, which with such good voice and sound quality in Linux, <laughs> think you could share a simple how-to a simple step-by-step would be good software used, hardware used tips and tricks regards. Uh, well, actually it's kind of appropriate given this particular episode uh, with the audio and Linux. Um, but, uh, as far as recording this podcast, it's, it's, you know, well, first of all, thank you for, uh, the uh, compliment. I certainly don't think that the quality of this show is nearly as good as, as many other podcasts and audio books and things I listen to out there, but you know, I do the best I can, but really, um, I know I've said this several times. I used to use an iRiver uh, 790 to record the podcast on, and then I would uh, chop it up and edit the whole thing in in Audacity. And uh, but for the last I don't know six eight months or so, I now use a little uh, wave recorder, and it's the uh, it's the H4 uh, by Zoom. I think it's Zoom Technologies. It's a it uses a Compact Flash as storage, and it records everything into an uncompressed wave file. And I have a mixer. It's a, um, I forget what the model is, but it's a very cheap $30 mixer. And then I have a microphone, of course. And I just, you know, uh, and I, what I do is I have my uh, sound card in my computer. I have a line out going into my mixer. So when I play the little jingles and the little spots in between the clips, I can, I can play those. That goes into the mixer. And, of course, the microphone goes into the mixer. And then what comes out of the mixer goes into this little recorder. So I can essentially record the whole show almost as if it was live, you know, on the fly. So I kind of recorded in one take for the most part. I goof up every now and then. Of course, you don't hear it. I cut that out. But (laughs) basically, I recorded in one take, including the jingles, because I can just press a key and it will play the next jingle or the next uh, segment, you know, bit. And, uh, And then, of course, I do the cleanup in Audacity, you know take out the blank space and at the beginning and the end and in between, and you know, things like that. And then I run, then I use audacity for compression and normalization. And then sometimes I'll use the Levelator, uh, which is a program, uh, by the Doug K. He's the guy who does the it conversations podcast. It's a Python program. Unfortunately, it's not free software. Um, uh, and, uh, So, but I don't use it all the time. I I tend to use it for interviews and things where there's really different levels in in sound. But otherwise, the only piece of software I use is Audacity. And then once I have everything edited in Audacity, I export it as a WAV file. And then I have a script that I wrote that um, uh, tags the, well, it it, uh, creates the MP3 and creates the AUG and, and puts the ID3 tags for those. And it does all of that sort of in the background for me. It's just a little shell script that does all of that. And that's it. Um so it's uh you know pretty simple um but works well for me. Let's see, here's one from John. John says, I have an NSLU2, a slug running Debian with VSFTP running on it. Anonymous works just fine, but I cannot get any other user to work as an FTP user. How can I fix this? Uh well let's see, John. VSFTP, that's a great FTP server. That's the one I've used before as well. Um What I recommend is you look at the slash Etsy slash vsftp.conf file. That's the configuration file, and it's very well commented and really explains exactly what you need to do. But what you really need are three different options in that file for sure. First of all, you need anonymous underscore enable equals no um, if you don't want anonymous. But then you want local underscore enable equals yes, and you want write underscore enable equals yes that's assuming you want your your local users to be able to upload and write to their ftp directories. And then what i strongly recommend is another option and it's uh, chroot which is c h r o o t underscore local underscore users user equals yes. And what that does is it, it it basically chroots each user meaning when they log in they can only log in they can only get to their home directory. If they try to navigate upwards in the directory tree they won't see anything, so they don't get to see the rest of the system files. There's a lot of how-tos out there on Debian and VSFTP. It's a great FTP server. Uh, so, you know, just Google around. But those are the options that I've had to enable in order to get my local users to be able to um, FTP in, and that lets them FTP into their home directory. Okay, here's one from Dan. Dan says, I would like to set up a web server to practice PHP, Linux, etc." Can I do this with just two laptops, Linux on one and Apache on the other? Please advise. Like your podcast a lot. Please keep it up. Well, Dan, actually, you don't need to use two computers for that. You can run um, a web server and PHP and MySQL and whatever else on your single laptop. I mean, you, you can use two if you want, um, but you can run a local instance of Apache. And it's, this is not a web server that's exposed to the Internet. Uh, but it would be running on a local port, so you would open up your browser and you would type, you know, localhost colon eighty, and it will browse to the local port eighty, which is, you know, that's the web server port. That's what Apache runs on, port eighty. Um, but so you can then run PHP scripts and all this kind of stuff just on your local machine and access it with a local web browser using localhost colon eighty, and it works just fine. And you, a lot of people do that for testing and things like that. So. Um, you know, that's, that's the easiest way to do it. That's the way I've done it before. And, uh, hopefully that helps. Here is one from Alessandro from Italy. He says, hi chess. First of all, thanks a lot for the great job you are doing. I really appreciate it. I would like to hear something about file synchronization on your podcast. I've been using the briefcase in windows for quite a lot of time, and I have to admit it is a great component. It allows you to keep two directories local, but works also with USB sticks, perfectly synchronized. Even though you delete a file from one side, it will keep the synchronization according to the last operation, so no data loss is possible. That is something you cannot achieve with the copy command in Linux, even though you can play with switches. Um, Let's see. It talks about the briefcase, keeps track of deletions because it has a sort of journal or log file. Is there something equivalent in Linux which allows bidirectional synchronization? Thanks and kind regards. Alessandro, the one thing I've heard of, but I've never tried it, is something called Unison. And if you Google for Linux and Unison, that's U-N-I-S-O-N, <laughs> I think that's right, Unison, um, that is a file synchronization technique or or technology. Um, what I've done is I have tended to use RSync or um, Subversion or any kind of versioning system. That's probably a lot more than you want. I have a local subversion server. Uh, here at home and uh, that I keep all kinds of configuration files and scripts and things like that. And uh, that allows me to keep uh, different, you know, I can keep a local copy on my workstation and keep the, keep the sort of the main subversion repository on my server, my local server here. And then I can synchronize and update and make changes. And of course I can go back and pull out old, old versions. That's what a, that's what a version control system does. It lets you keep version uh, information but i think for just simple synchronization i've heard that unison works really well so i recommend that you check that out and please let me know how it works uh, let's see okay here is one uh from moibus and he says hey chess first off let me thank you for all your hard work with your podcast you provide excellent information to all levels of users uh, similar to yourself i also prefer client-side standalone applications as opposed to web applications for many types of applications Although I do enjoy the use of Gmail, my question is this: Do you know of any means where you can emulate an IMAP type protocol, but with RSS outside of using RNews or FeedOnFeeds? Feeds? Thanks in advance and best regards. This is interesting. Um, basically, what he's asking for is, uh, you know, I talked about the Feed on Feeds as being, you know, a server-side feed catcher that will, you know, update your feeds, and that way you can log into um, one of those uh, services. And your feeds will always be synchronized. It's kind of like using the Google reader, same idea. But I also mentioned that I prefer client applications. Like I tend, even though I've got tons of Gmail accounts, I just tend to prefer email clients. Um, I don't know why, like mutt, like I talked about previously, I just like standalone clients. So he's asking for, is there a way you can do the same thing? Have a synchronized set of feeds, but yet use a standalone client. The only one I'm aware of, and I've never used it, but I've heard other people talk about it, is some, is a Thunderbird plugin or extension called Forumzilla. Just like a forum. It's so it's F-O-R-U-M-Z-I-L-L-A. Forumzilla. It's an extension for Thunderbird. And I think it's tended it's supposed to work with um with forms or RSS feeds or anything like that. Basically it creates an IMAP folder on your on your IMAP server where it stores all the feed information and all the actual feed you know stuff that you get that that you can download and just like with the imap server it's synchronized in the sense that you can connect to that to your imap server from anywhere and if the feed has been read it will be marked as red and if it's unread it will be still unread so uh, check that out and let me know how that works i'd really like to know and let's see i got a lot of more email here but i'm going to save them uh for next time and uh so i think with that it's time to wrap it up <music> Okay, well, first of all, thank you, Duncan. I'd um, like to uh, give a big shout-out to Duncan for putting together that, uh, that uh, guest uh, content. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It's great getting this guest, this guest content. And if you have any ideas, if there's something that you know something about, you want to talk about or something like that, dealing with Linux, how to use something, how to do something, just drop me a line, uh, linuxreality at gmail.com, and let's talk about it see what we can do. Uh, you can also use that email to send me any kind of feedback. Um, written, you know, email uh, feedback, questions. If you want to record something, either a listener tip or just an email, just a question, an audio comment or question, you can record those as an MP3 or AUG or Wave and send it to me at linuxreality at gmail.com. And you can also cruise on over to linuxreality.com slash contact and check out all the different ways to call me and to contact me. There's many different ways to do it through Gizmo and different voicemail numbers and all this kind of stuff. So, Lots of great ways to get a hold of me. Please check out the forums. We've got some really great discussions going on over there. It's, it's just been going strong, and it just continues to go strong, and I really appreciate that. The forums are great. I really like checking out what's going on in there. That's linuxreality.com slash forums. And I think I'm going to be getting a third CD ready here soon. It's probably, it's probably overdue um, with, the, with the next batch of episodes, you know, volume three, if you will, of the, of the archive. Uh, So stay tuned for that. I'll let you know more about that soon. I think that's going to do it for me. Um, Hope you all have a great week and a great weekend. I'll catch you all next time. This has been episode 81 of Linux Reality. See you later. Bye-bye.